If you have your Bibles, Matthew 1 and 18. I don't have agendas when I preach. I'll just be honest with you. And I, this general conference thing, I'm the third speaker. I, I get 10 minutes. When headquarters called me, I thought I'd forgot to pay my dues. <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't thank Pastor of anything else they'd be calling me for. I said, y'all got the right number? But it's an honor. I mean, I we had our Zoom meeting a couple, about four or five days ago, and they were all talking about everything. I said, and they asked me. I try to keep my mouth shut during their meetings because whew, you never know what's coming out of this mouth. And I said, all I know is 18 years ago, I had a needle in my arm somewhere. Or I was in jail somewhere. Y'all might deserve this service, but I don't. Come on. But Jesus loved me enough. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband... Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Well, that feels good, doesn't it? For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. He was more than just a man. Come on. He was God and he was man. Come on. He was more than just a man. As man, he was thirsty. But as God, come on, he was the water. Come on, as man, he was hungry. But as God, he was the bread of life. Come on. As man, he got tired. But as God, come on, he knows how to lift us up. He knows how to pick us up. He knows how to get up, give us strength. Now, I know everybody's got all these fancy titles, but y'all have to remember, I didn't preach my first sermon until I was 42. My dad died Sunday morning, and I preached my first sermon Sunday night after promising him that I would finish what he started. So I don't know how to get all these fancy titles. I've never been to youpreachit.com. I don't steal T.D. Jake sermons. Yeah, a lot of them do. <laughs> so the only title I could think of was Jesus. The, if I have an agenda this morning, it's that we all find a place of repentance today. 
Lift your hands with me. By the authority of the word of God and the power that's in your name, Jesus Christ. Lord, once again, I stand before you, Lord, and I'm asking you to lose yourself upon us. Lord, I can't do it unless you help me, Jesus. I'm incapable, God, but if you'll let me decrease and you increase, that something good can come out of this. It's not about me, Jesus. It's all about you. It's not about us, Jesus. It's all about you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I praise you. Oh, how I trust in you. Now I bind in the name of Jesus any evil or unclean spirit that is trying to come into this building. I cast you out right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bind fear and oppression and depression. Right now in the name of Jesus, sickness and infirmity has to leave. Let the deaf ears be unstopped today. Let blind eyes be be opened. Lord, touch my mind, my voice, and my body. I need you right now. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Down through the centuries of time, there have been prophecies about the Messiah that would come. For thousands of years, Israel held on to the hope that the Messiah would come. They went through famines and droughts and pestilence and bondage by kings and kingdoms. But they always held on to the hope and the promise that the Messiah would come and then we will be free. Priests had prayed for the Messiah to come. Prophets prophesied about the one coming to set his people free. This would be the one who would wipe away the tears from our eyes. This would be the one where there'd be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. I come to tell you that 2,000 years ago in a dark cave, it was actually carved into the side of a mountain. It was a stable for sheep and barnyard animals. It was nasty. It was filthy. And it had the stench of animals in the air. The Messiah had arrived. He was announced to shepherds. And wise men and kings would try to kill him, but he was here, the savior of this earth. I can hear the prophet Isaiah's voice as it echoes down through the centuries of time. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9, 6. Who is that child? For unto us a son is given. Who is the son he's talking about? And the government shall be upon Jesus' shoulders. And Jesus' name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I come to tell you, don't you let anybody tell you that Jesus wasn't a father. Because my Jesus was the Everlasting Father. Come on, he was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords. And he had arrived. God, manifest in flesh, seen of angels, stepped out of heaven and became a man to live and dwell among us. He was here to become a sacrificial lamb. And through Jesus Christ, all the sins of mankind would be forgiven. John 1 and 1. In the beginning 
was the Word. That Word was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Then verse 14 tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I come to let you know that my Jesus wasn't a second person in a trinity. Now there's a group out there. You're not supposed to say their name. It's a group of preachers on WordShare. Sorry, didn't mean to say their name. They need to repent. And they try to get on to people like me saying that I shouldn't preach so hard against the Trinity that it's not seeker-friendly, not politically correct. I asked him, how many of you baptized this year? He said, nine. I said, well, I'm at 400. Maybe you ought to try preaching against it a little bit. It ain't about preaching against it. It's about preaching for him. My Jesus wasn't the second person in a trinity. Come on, but he was God and God alone. From the beginning of time, he was God. Till the end of time, he is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before him. He is God alone, and he doesn't need help from anybody else. They'll probably kick me off there again. John 8 and 57. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the educated, the religious. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was... When he said, I am, they knew he was calling himself God. He told him in John 10 and 30, I and my father are one. Now, I've been told I look like my dad. Ouch. My dad had to chase a water fountain to get a drink. He wasn't the most handsome guy. I've been told I sound like my dad. But me and my dad are not one. When you see me, you don't see Charlie Mahaney. You see Nick Mahaney. But Jesus said, I and my father are one. In Matthew 16, he's asking them, whom do men say that I am? They said, some of them say you're Jeremiah. And they start saying John the Baptist. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, who do you say that I am? Peter makes a statement that proves who Jesus really was. He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus tells Peter, this is revelatory. He says, Simon, uh, Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Now, listen, I'm not very educated. I had 11 years of school, five in the first, six in the second. 
But I know to be a person, you have to have flesh and blood. Jesus is telling Peter, the Father is not a person. He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And if you think that dove's a person, I'm not hunting with you. Come on, there's only one flesh and blood. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, hell hates it when we begin to preach on the oneness of God. Come on, hell hates it when we begin to preach on Jesus' name baptism. Hell hates it when we let the world know that we know who Jesus is. Colossians 2.9, for in him dwelleth all. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. At the age of 30, he performed the first of his miracles. He changed the water into wine. He opened up, started opening up blinded eyes. Deaf ears unstopped. Here's what happened where Jesus went. Look it up in the Gospels. When he walked into a town, he cast out devils. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. He would go to the next town. He had cast out devils. He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He said greater things that we're going to do than he did. We got to learn to cast out devils. Come on, we got to understand that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Come on, the dead can be raised when we speak to the dead. Some of you need to go into your kid's room and cast out some devils of some games that they're playing that they shouldn't be playing. Come on, you need to cast the devils out of your home on the music that they're listening to that they shouldn't be listening to. You need to cast the devils out that's trying to tell you oh, and get you complacent. The time, I got time, I don't have to play anymore. There was a woman... She had an issue of blood. Now, the older I get, the more my friends' last names are ologists. I see two ologists next week. I didn't know there were so many people with the last name ologists. They all want some something from me, my blood. My favorite one's the treadmill. Woo. They run you until you're about to pass out. Can you breathe? Not right this second. And she had went to many doctors and was only worse. Any of y'all ever went to the doctor? And after they get through talking, I'm a hypochondriac. My wife will tell you. Whatever you do, don't tell him that it might be something wrong with him. Because I'll get it. And you go to the doctor and they say, first thing they say is, Mr. Mahaney, what's your trouble? Well, that's why I'm here. What do you mean, what is my trouble? You're supposed to tell me what my trouble is. If I knew what my trouble was, I wouldn't be here. We got, we're on the same page, right, Doc? One of my best friends, he's an evangelist. He's a doctor. I call him all the time. Hey, what do you think this is? I think it's your imagination. 
this woman was only worse. Now, she had been taught as a child that the Messiah was coming with healing in his wings. And all around the bottom of this robe, that would have been considered the wings. And she looked and she could see a crowd thronging him. Now, that crowd was outside of the temple where the men were. She wasn't supposed to be where the men were. And let alone with her ailment, she was considered unclean and everything she touched would be unclean. But something told her, that's the one. That's the one your mom and dad was telling you stories about. She drops on her hands and knees and begins to crawl through that crowd of men. Some of them seen her and didn't know what she was doing and tried to kick her out of the way. Come on, her fingers were stepped on. She was kneed in the head as she kept pressing her way through because she knew if I can get to him that I'm going to be all right. Come on, I come to tell somebody it's no different right now. If you just press your way in today, come on, if you'll quit worrying about what your friends think, you'll quit worrying about everybody else around you and say, I'm not leaving until I get something from Jesus. She reached up and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately she was made whole. You don't have to leave here today like you came in here. You just have to get desperate enough to reach up to him and touch him. And he will heal you. He will set you free. You can be baptized in his name. You see, there's something about the name of Jesus. You can say, Nick, all you want. You ain't going to feel nothing. You might get hungry. Craving chicken. But you start saying Jesus. Oh, I challenge you. You can't get alone and just start saying, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And you start feeling his presence all around you. There are almost 2,000 titles of God in the Bible. Just one name. The angels didn't know the name of God until God sent Gabriel to tell Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Adam and Eve walked with him in the cool of the day. They didn't know his name. Moses talked to him with the burning bush. When he asked his name, he said, just tell him the I am sent you. He walked through the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't know his name. but he And he was revealed to Isaiah. I saw him high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And he started to put pen in hand and said, And his name shall be called. And all the universe held its breath. And he said, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All titles. Lucifer didn't know his name. And it was revealed at the cross. And now Satan believes in one God. And trembles at that name. 2,000 years ago, he was revealed as he hung on a cruel cross of redemption. And he paid for our sins with the crimson cash of his blood. And then we know that name now that it's Jesus. Come on, there's no other name like Jesus. Come on, my Bible says that one of these days, every knee in heaven, every knee in earth, and every knee under the earth is going to bow down and say that he is Lord. 
Come on, I'm telling you right now, he is my Lord. He is my God. He is my healer. He is my savior. He's my kinsman redeemer. Come on, he's the sheepfold, the door to the sheepfold. He's the lion of Judah. He's the lamb. He's the bright morning star. Come on, he is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, and his name is Jesus. He's the father. He's the son. He's the Holy Ghost. We all know Satan's the father of all lies. He's called the son of perdition and an evil spirit. Nobody says there's three devils in the devil head, do they? If the devil can be that, why can't Jesus be the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost? They come through the garden. They come with torches. They come with swords. They come with staffs. And one of his beloveds kiss him on the cheek. And they fall on him. They beat him. They drag him to the Sanhedrin court. Now, the Sanhedrin court was made up of 70 men. These men were not the scallywags. These men were not the evil men. These were 70 revered men. Some of the 70 most revered men in all of Israel. They were the most learned teachers, scribes. They were the most learned priests and high priests. They were considered holy men. And they bring him before this court. And they have charges against him of heresy and blasphemy. And as they question them, he says nothing. They find him guilty. And it is the custom of the Sanhedrin court. When you're found guilty of this charge, they line up in front of you and they spit in your face. And they slap you as hard as they can. He stands there with 70 heavy-handed men. One after the other, spitting in his face in humiliation and slapping him as hard as they could. They then take him to prison. Now, it doesn't say in the Word of God what happened to him in prison. But if you'll research that Roman prisons at that time, there's no, we have no idea what he went through that night in prison. Now, I'm just going to be open with you for a minute. When I was a young boy, I had a preacher's son tried to tried to molest me he did a lot of things to me that i didn't like now i can choose to carry that with me or i can understand that he's already been through that and that there's nothing that i've been through that he hasn't been through so i can either carry it or i can let him have it and let him carry it Come on, I come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, quit carrying around things that happened in your past. I know it was hurtful. It was hurtful to me. I know it was hard. It was hard to me. But you know what? I don't carry it around with me. I let Jesus have it because my flesh can't control it. But his blood can cover it all. The next morning, he's taken to the governor, Pontius Pilate. And it's the custom at that time of the year 
that they can release somebody to the people. And he gives them their choice. He says, do you want Barabbas, who's a thief, upriser, and a murderer? Or Jesus, a man who had never done anything wrong to anybody? And they begin to scream and point at Jesus saying, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Let his blood be on our hands and our children's. So they have to ring around him with soldiers. And they begin to push him through this unruly crowd, this mob, this bloodthirsty crowd. And behind Pilate's hall was a massive courtyard. And in the middle of that courtyard, this courtyard, Josephus said, would, would hold hundreds of people. And in the middle of that courtyard stood one tall pillar. And waiting around that pillar is a squad of soldiers. This, this squad of soldiers is trained for one thing, to inflict pain and suffering on people. Their job is generational. It has been passed down by their fathers, their grandfathers. This is, a, this is what they are born and lived to do. They take Jesus and they strip him naked. I want you to understand something, that to be stripped naked in front of this crowd was embarrassing because he was a modest man. He was a teacher and he was a rabbi. He would have never been uncovered or immodest. Now he stands there totally naked in front of the whole world, in front of his peers and in front of his family. They fall on him and they grab his left wrist and they pull it as high as they can to the top of this one pillar and they stretch him, tying his right wrist to the other side of the pillar. His feet are barely touching the ground as they shackle his left ankle and his right ankle. They would have a long table. This was called, this was called scourging. It wasn't called being whipped. It was called scourging. If you was found guilty by Rome, you would be crucified. But everybody that was crucified was scourged first, unless they were women. And they would have a long table. He's hanging there naked and they would pick up a big club first. Because they wanted to beat you as senseless as they could. And they would begin to beat all over his back, his head, everywhere they could with a club. They would then take an eight or nine foot long oxhide whip. One on the left, one on the right. This whip wasn't designed to tear the flesh, but it was designed to soften it up. And they would start laying that whip across his naked body. Red angry whelps would jump up on his flesh as he screamed out in agony. For about 15 minutes, they flailed and hit him as fast as they could until they were out of, out of breath. The next thing they would usually pick up, they had hooks that they would lay in his flesh and pull his flesh apart. Then they'd take a long wooden handle. Wasn't called the cat of nine tails. That's what the pirates called it. This was called a flagrum, and it had many strips of leather coming out the end, embedded with sheet bones, glass, wire, ball bearings and they would lay that flagrum across his shoulder and when they did it hung in the flesh and they would have to rip it loose and as they ripped it loose from his flesh the angry mist of blood comes showering through the air with bits of bone and flesh hitting the ground and they begin to flay him with that flagrum they i've seen pictures of what they thought it would look like and their ribs are sticking out of their back 
You can see their bowels. You can see things on the inside of them. And the blood is pulling up and falling out so thick that they had to have a trench cut around that pillar so they wouldn't slip and fall to channel the blood. And they would beat him and beat him and beat him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. Now, I'm, I'm going to probably cross a little bit of theological swords here. But he wasn't beat 39 stripes. That's what the Jews did. The Jews would lash you 39 times. The Romans would beat you. And it was called the half death because half of everybody beaten by them would die. So they flayed him and beat him with his internal organs exposed. They finally cut him down and he collapses on the ground. He's going into shock. The blood is, he's losing almost all of his blood. He can't, they can't take the pain. So they begin to throw up and their body going into shock. And they can't keep conscious because they've lost so much blood. And they jerk him to his feet. And they take a 125-pound cross member, lashing it to his back. And they push him through the crowd as they're spitting on him. Isaiah said his face was beat worse than anybody's ever. They beat him and they pulled handfuls of his beard out. This is God manifesting the flesh. And they take him to Golgotha. Golgotha means the place of the skull. The reason why it was called the place of the skull, because the Jews believed that's where the head of Goliath was buried. So they called it the place of the skull. And already in his lineage, David had already defeated that giant. Come on, and my Jesus wasn't going to be any less. He was going to defeat every giant that ever came for us. What they would do, they would take and lash your bicep to the cross member. Then they would lash your forearm to the cross member. Roman soldiers had cleated sandals so they wouldn't slip in combat. Stomping on his wrist, they'd take about a seven-inch spike and drive it through his hand into the wood of that cross in one fell swoop. All your nerves end in your hands and your feet. That's why they had to lash them to the cross because history says when that nail hit their hands, they would start flopping on the ground trying to tear themselves loose. They'd take a loop, put it over his left wrist, and they'd begin to pull him until you could hear his shoulder dislocate or his elbow dislocate, lash his left bicep and then his left forearm and drive that spike into the wood. They would then pick him up. You see, because of European pictures that never even seen a crucifixion, they got pictures of him painted where he's way up high in the air with his feet on a platform. But the reality is Romans crucified you at eye level so your family could walk up and look at you in the face and see your suffering. History tells us that if you had babies, they would kill your babies and hang them around your neck as you was hanging on the cross. Or they'd kill your wife and children in front of you while you was hanging on the cross. 
And they pick him up, and the only thing holding him is those ropes and those nails. They're laughing, and they take him to an upright stake, and they drop him down on that stake. That back with the organs exposed and the bones exposed comes to a grinding stop on that rough-hewn cross. They would then bend your knee, and they'd take the point of a nail, and they'd put it at that space in between your ankle and your, your heel, and they'd drive it into the Achilles tendon, into the cross. They'd move to the left knee, and they would bend it. Then they'd take that heel and put it at that space one more time and drive it in. You're now crucified. He is sagging down. His lungs are compressed. He's got sweat and blood from the crown of thorns in his head running into his eyes. Because of the climate, he already had maggots coming out of his wounds, coughing and retching and spitting blood. The only way that he could breathe was to push up with those feet and pull up with those battered hands. And he would take one breath and sag back down in agony and hold his breath until he couldn't take it no more. That's why you don't hear a whole lot of him saying anything from the cross. He didn't have the breath. He pulled himself up once, took a breath, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Six hours. Three of them in the sunlight. And when the sun seen what everybody was doing to the sun, they said, I'm not looking anymore. Three hours in the darkness. He yells with a loud voice. It is finished. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about that dispensation. When he said it was finished, the veil of the temple rent from the top to the bottom. Because when he said it was finished, the Spirit of God burst out from behind that holies of holies. No longer was there going to be rams, bulls, goats, turtle doves. But the blood of Jesus Christ had replaced all of that. It is finished. Now you have grace. Now you have mercy. Because of what he did upon the cross. I come to stir some of you up this morning. Come on, this isn't going to be a, some of you aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost is telling me to say. When he said it was finished, he purchased our salvation so we could have eternal life with him. The truth is, everyone in here will have eternal life. It'll either be with Jesus or it's going to be in hell. We don't like preaching on this no more. The pastor of the Bible says, where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. You can either repent and accept him right now, and be baptized in Jesus' name, and have eternal life with him. But I promise you, if you don't, you're going to have eternal life as well in a place of torment. Come on, 270 times in the New Testament alone, hell is mentioned. Come on, why would you take a chance? Why would you gamble with your soul after you know what all he went through? Come on, every time you fall in them flames, demons are going to be chanting your name. You're here forever. You can't get out. I knew that if you just wouldn't bend your knee. I knew if you, I kept you rejecting him. I knew if you came against the preacher. I knew if you came against everything that was preached that I had you. I was preaching a men's conference recently. 
And I met a man there, a Hispanic man. We went to eat. He began to tell me his story. His dad was the pastor. His mother was the Sunday school director. He said, at 18, I thought I knew better than they did. And said, why am I staying here? And he said, I left. Thought I could do it on my own. He moved to Phoenix, began selling drugs for the cartel. He owed them money, and they came after him. He said, I was sitting in my house that night watching a movie with my girlfriend. We were expecting somebody to come over, so somebody knocks on the door. He said, I just walked over, opened the door, and there was a man with a bandana on his face. And he had a 38. And when I opened the door, he just started shooting. Boom, 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 boom. Hit him four times right here. One of the bullets passed over and hit his girlfriend in the face, killed her instantly. He said, as I was laying on the ground, my mind is telling me, you've got to run. He said, but I couldn't move a muscle in my body. He said, I was trying to breathe, and all I could hear was this bubbling and gurgling coming out of my... He said, I could feel my life pouring out with blood out of my body. He said, I walked, watched, and I opened my eyes and looked, and that man stood over me. Boom! Hit him right here. Fifth shot. The neighbors heard it. Called the ambulance, and he showed me a picture. He said, they took this. This is when I supposedly died, he said. You can tell that he's gone, but you can, at the foot of his bed, there's his mother on her knees. Oh, praying, God, save my son. He said, all of a sudden, I started lifting up from my body, and I could see doctors trying to save me, but I could hear my mother in the background speaking in tongues, God! He said, all of a sudden, I was up above the hospital, and I was in darkness. He said, I felt very cold, and I saw this white light coming towards me. He said, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I've heard about this before. I've read about people seeing this light. He said, the closer it came to me, the warmer I felt, this peace I felt. He said, the light stopped, and the voice spoke to me and said, this isn't for you. You wouldn't live for me. You denied me. He said, all of a sudden, I was going down a tunnel. He said, I was falling in darkness, and I, was, I could reach up and grab things, trying to slow my speed. He said, I was digging my heels in, screaming. He said, then demons started popping up in my face. He said, I started hitting them as hard as I could, and they were laughing at me. In his own words, he said, they were grabbing me and ripping my flesh as they pulled me down this tunnel. He said, all of a sudden, I saw this fire, and it looked like worms waving in the fire. And he said, the closer I got, it was people. And they turned and looked at me and said, don't come here. Don't come here. He said, all of a sudden, I was back. His mother had prayed him back. He said, preacher, you go tell everybody. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, you go tell everybody that hell's real. Come on, you go tell them they better live for Jesus. You go tell them, don't you turn your back on Jesus. Come on, you want to talk about a man that can preach and give an altar call? Come on, if I could just open up your eyes for a split second and you could see the physical suffering and pain that your soul and your spirit is going to go through while you're in hell.
Come on, you, you'd have to fight me to keep me from the altar. Come on, I'm trying to pull somebody out of that place right now. Come on, I'm trying to pull you out of hell. I'm fighting every devil in this area because I want you to be saved. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to find a place of repentance today. Let's all stand. Come on, prayer warriors. Come on. Somebody needs to intercede. I feel I feel something trying to push me down right now. I feel a weight trying to push me down. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Come on, young people. You better hear me. Some of you better get in this altar and repent right now. Don't you let the enemy steal your soul. Come on. Some of you elders, you haven't repented in a long time. You need to hit your face right now and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of condemnation right now in Jesus' name. This is for you. This is for you. Come on, don't you sit through another service without repenting. Come on, I come to tell you in the name of Jesus. This could be your last service. You're not guaranteed to be here tonight. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. Come on, cry out. Give him. I was lost. Give it to him. I was blind. Jesus, I forgive was me. Running out Lord, send it to me, Jesus. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you had me Come on, this ain't in it. your side. I'm so pulling you for you. Made a way Come on, don't be stubborn. I'm pulling for you. the great divide. Left behind. I'm fighting with everything else I got. I'm tired, but I'm fighting with everything that I got within me. Inside. Come on, I don't want you to go to hell. At the cross. Come on, I want you to be saved. The Don't turn your back on him. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me wide. I want, I want you, if you're in the altar, I want you to stop just for a second and look up here at me. I want everybody looking at me just for a minute. I want, I want your full attention. The Bible says, it tells us to repent. Listen, repentance 
is not just being sorry. That's part of it. But repentance is asking God to forgive you of your sins and turning away. You're not going back. I'm not going back. Repentance is saying, I'm killing this flesh. That it's over. You've ruled me long enough. Now, Lord, if you'll forgive me of my sins, I want to live for you. Elder, I can't repent for anybody. If I could repent for you, I promise you I would not leave this building today until I'd repented for each and every one of you. But that's not how it works. God wants to hear your voice. He wants you to confess with your mouth that you want him to forgive you. When I repented, the first time, I, I didn't know I could, if I was to name every sin that I'd done, I'd been there for a long time. I just had to tell him, look, you know everything that I've ever done. I need you to forgive me. I've been going to wrong places. I said the wrong things. I did. I was such a horrible man. But he reached down and he forgave me of my sins. And I started that new life towards him. I want you to lift your hands right now. All across this place. When we lift our hands, that's a sign that I'm surrendering to you. Because when you're, you're most vulnerable, when your hands are up. And I want you to start repenting, everybody in this place. Come on. Jesus, would you forgive me? Talk to him. Come on. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I, I need you to cover me with your blood right now. Jesus, would you take and wash me white, Lord? Jesus, I want to live for you, Jesus. Come on, you got to speak it to him. I want to live for you, Jesus. From this day on, Jesus, it's going to be different. Come on, open your mouth. Just begin to speak to him. Oh, all that blood you shed on the cross, Jesus, was for me. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Now tell him I want to live for you, Jesus. Come on. I want to take every step that you want me to take. I want to speak everything that you want me to speak. I want my eyes to see what you want me to see. My ears to hear what you want me to hear, Jesus. I want everybody looking at me one more time. This is just to get your attention. If you repented, I want you to raise your hand. Come on. If you feel that Jesus has forgiven you, I want you to raise your hand. Come on. Because if you don't, we still we can't stop.
we got to keep repenting. Come up here, bro. Now, according to the word of God, he has forgiven you. It would be like everywhere he went, he's carrying me. He's been forgiven, but he's still carrying everything. All the pain. Everything. But when he goes down in the waters of baptism, he has died and been buried. And that's the new birth. That's when you come up out of the waters and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Baptized in the name of Jesus. That's why we take on his name. How can I, how can my wife be a bride and keep her last name? When she became my wife, she became my bride and she took on my name. When you repented, you're asking Jesus that you want to be his bride. And the only way to do that is have his name. You can't be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Nobody was ever baptized that way. Everybody in the Bible was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in this place and you've repented, you need to be baptized. Now listen, if you don't remember how you was baptized... I run into this all the time. Well, I'm not sure how I was baptized. Don't take the chance. I was baptized when I was seven. But about five years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to be baptized again. I walked out in the ocean here in Florida. And I had a young preacher about 17. I said, hey, will you baptize me? He goes, are you kidding? I said, no. The Lord told me to be baptized again. We walked out in the ocean. Baptized me in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You have never felt any experience in your life like when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus. Because you come up a new creature. There's no sin on you. Come on, all that, all the pain and suffering is gone. Come on. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to find somebody here in a minute and say, what do I need to do? We have robes. We have water. The Bible says, what doth hinder thee? And straightway they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've never spoken in tongues, you're about to receive the Holy Ghost. It's easy. This is why I've, I've just slowed it down just for this reason. It's not hype. It's his spirit's going to move into your, into your very being. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost, I want you to lift your hands. Come on. Come on, lift your hands. You ain't never spoken in tongues before in your life. Come on. Lift your hands. Somebody's going to get around you. Come on. He wants to receive it. She wants to. Come on. Somebody's going to get around you. Look, they're going to lay hands on you. And when they do, you're going to feel something start welling up inside of you. Just begin to worship him. Begin to shout hallelujah. That's the easiest thing to do. And begin to praise him. Come on, lift your hands, everybody across this place. Come on, by the authority of the word of God. Come on, get ready to pray for somebody that's seeking the Holy Ghost and the power that's in the name of Jesus. 
Receive you the gift of the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive it right now. Come on, lay your hands on their head and begin to speak it and proclaim it. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, you're going to feel something inside of you. Come on, as they begin to sing. Oh, there is nothing stronger. Oh, the wonder-working power of the blood. The blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the Glorious life.